Welcome to the OC24 podcast, where we've taken some of the best talks and discussions from this year's 24-hour conference on global organised crime, which showcases some of the most interesting research into organised crime around the world. This episode is called Devolution, Urban Growth Role and the Surge of Gangs in Kenya. Welcome to this meeting where we get to discuss devolution, urban growth and the surge of gangs in Kenya. My name is Esther Jerry, and I'm the chairperson at Art for Rights, a Kenyan-based organization that uses art to spread awareness on social justices and advancement of human rights in Kenya. <laughs> in collaboration with the Global Initiative Against Transnational Organized Crime, GTOC, under the Resilience Fund, we commissioned an investigative interview series on a criminal gang dubbed confirmed and and kind of activities they are involved in. We interviewed the current and former gang members, victims who have fallen prey, uh, who have fallen prey to this. Our first panelist is is Mohamed Mwini. He's a founder of Al Mwini Technologies and a strategist for several successful community initiatives that turned young young and creative, innovative, successful startups. He is part of the dream team of Youth Bilanoma. Okay, welcome, Mwini. Thank you, Jerry, for the intro. My name is Mohamed Mwini. Uh, I work for with and uh, with Youth Bilanoma. Yeah, and uh, basically our work is uh, strengthening community resilience. and we work closely with the uh, risk youth uh, in the informal settlements, especially those uh, in the who are engaged maybe in crime, especially the confirmed gang. And uh, basically, from our interaction, we saw that uh, from the video also, most of them they are unemployed and they need to be supported. And because uh, in Nakuru. Due to the rapid urbanization and influx of so, so many people, there has been a lot that has been happening. So many youth are engaging in crime. Uh, some are pushed by their peers, some are be, because of the school dropouts. Uh, some mostly they, it's because of unemployment. As youth Bilanoma, we saw that it's a good uh, opportunity, though it's sad that uh, they are engaging in crime, but also we saw that there are some push and pull factors that contributes to uh, their behaviors. Some of them have been experiencing adverse childhood experiences since they were born. And some were pushed maybe by police brutality and some maybe due to mental health challenges. So as Youth Bilanoma, we've been trying to help those in need, especially those at risk youth, uh, through sport and art. That's That's how we came across Art for Rights. And we are happy to see such an organization work, working towards uh, uh, helping those uh, at risk youth. And uh, it's good that today we have this voice because we believe that these young people, if we engage them uh, correctly, they are going to be good citizens and they're going to do good jobs. Because we saw that some were pushed due to unemployment. And that's why we empowered some to come up with uh, income generating activities. 
through our initiatives such as the Beziangu Talks, whereby we go to those areas like Bondeni. We listen to them, we talk to them, they tell us their challenges. We try as much as possible to incorporate even the government uh, agencies that maybe are, uh, they affect directly those at risk. So we try to merge the gap because some of them, they believe that the government, uh, the government is, support, is not supporting them because already they feel they are left out. So we decided to work with them because they are good citizens as much as they're engaging in crime. There are some push and pull factors. We cannot fight them. We cannot keep chasing them every day. So that's why we decided to engage them, sit down with them, try to understand them, the challenges that they are facing. Uh, plus, after understanding the challenges they are facing, we try to inform them through capacity building sessions. Then after that, we try to come up with empowerment sessions, whereby at least we try to bridge the gap for some of them, they are illiterate. And that's why we thank some organizations such as Midri, whereby they decided to take some dropouts back to school, the technical institution, like uh, that for Nakuru Polytechnic. And we saw that some of them choose different courses, they graduated from those courses, and now they are earning their living. Some we even went ahead to fill uh, like the kelp, Kenya Youth Employment Opportunity. Some of them, we even sat with them and asked them, what do you like to do? Some of them, they are artists, they do beadwork. We try as much as possible to resource mobilize from our local uh, well-wishers. They donate to them the bids. And uh, we saw that some of them, eventually they started changing, but we saw there is a lot to be done. Because some of them, they are already addicts. They saw they went maybe through drug uh, and substance abuse. That's why they've been engaging, like the confirmed gang. They've been engaging in, in most of the crime due to maybe the influence of the drug that they are taking. Because you will not find anyone who is willing to cut anyone, to kill anyone, a friend. Because uh, recently, what you've seen through the video, some of those uh, confirmed gangs that they were testifying, we work closely with them. And we even asked them, why did you kill that person? They said, oh, that person maybe tried to disengage from our group. And we saw that he's a traitor. So he decided maybe to act against him or maybe they are they revenged for someone who was killed in line uh, in the line of crime because they, they live in different areas. And we saw that after the death of Biggie, the person who they mentioned there, uh, he was the one who was trying to control the groups. But after his death, there, is not, there was no leader who was willing to come in to maybe to solve the conflict. That's why we as ASOs need to intervene and start helping those. Because we saw that through our help, they are willing, and, uh, they are willing to change and they are willing to pass positive narratives, which, which are going to promote social cohesion in their communities because already they are divided. Some cannot even visit other places. And that's why they use motorbikes to go and drop when they are not able to do the cyber crimes. And if we, we can't support them, they are going to continue the, the same trend. And we have to work closely with them so that we can understand what's next. Because now that we are in Nakuru city, I believe there are so many things that are going to happen. And if you don't control it now, I'm sure 
we are not we will not be able to uh, work with them even try to listen to them because it's now it's now is the opportunity that we need to understand here these are the challenges that are facing and this is the way to inform them because i'm sure they lack the right information some of them even they they lost hope and trust in their communities because most of the communities instead of helping maybe they are snitching and uh, uh, through their snitching the police also informed those uh, confirmed leaders like biggie used to know what's happening in kenya and uh, he, he tried as much as possible to work with the police whereby he was giving out the tokens even though it's corruption he was trying to curb the fight between the groups uh, and the government also they were not arresting them like now but nowadays you see that due to the upside so many have money they can bail themselves out they come back to the society they attack the residents who reported them so to curb that we need to support them even the police on how we can come up with a solution because i believe our community Mwini. is our solution huh? I think I think I will cut you short you it seems you have a lot to say but I think because of uh, time I'll cut you short ah uh, it's okay uh, uh, can I finish okay? yes yeah, uh, one minute the last shot okay one minute so one minute. I believe our communities is our our solution and our solution is our communities we need to support the community interventions the group interventions and the individual interventions the three levels plus plus also we need to work closely with the government so that they can know the opportunities that are there plus also we can influence implementation of those policies that are, are yet to be implemented by our officials and also we can elect good leaders in Kenya and also since we are nearing elections we need to support even those groups because they are the foot soldiers unless we do that we are going to be experiencing a lot now you are going to fall but uh, i believe through our empowerment sessions we are going to strengthen the community resilience and our youth they are going to be good advocate in advancing social justice in our community so let's continue working together collaborating for a better future a better nakuru a better kenya a better world thank you thank you so much mwiji yeah that that was insightful uh i i will now uh introduce our next panelist uh Beatrice Arusei uh she is the assistant program officer at Midrift Hurinet she implements the intersectional urban violence prevention program in Nakuru uh she's also a human rights defender and works with the local communities in spearheading peace and security initiative Beatrice Hi Esther, how are you? Yeah, you're welcome. All right, thank you very I, much. I just have a question for you. All right. Uh, if if you if you'll share with us what you what stood out for the, for you in this documentary, uh, and I'll also I'll also want to know how 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 civil society can partner with the county government in in dealing with the gang problem in Nakuru. Thank you. You're welcome. Okay. One thing is what stood out for me in the documentary is how Confirm has mutated itself from a criminal network to an organized crime syndicate. Like it's a gang right now. 
So it started, first of all, Confirm was started by a woman who was an ex, who was an ex Safaricom employee. And she was, she had been convicted of a crime and she went to prison. So that's where it started. It was started by a woman. And another thing is, most of the people think that it's only old people who are involved in, in the Confirm gang. They are older people. Like there's someone who's above 50 and still does the crime, the cyber crime that is confirmed. So another thing that stood out for me is how, if we are not careful, if we do not intervene right now, we are looking at affiliations in the next year because it's the political season in Kenya. So at the end of the day, there'll be affiliations with political leaders and they might be used to, to create chaos in Nakuru and other places. Like let's say the only... Uh, the only faction that has an affiliation to another place is, let's say, the Gaza. Gaza is in Nakuru and has an affiliation to the Gaza in Nairobi. But right now we are looking at how they are going to affiliate themselves to political leaders. And that is, they are going to be used, as Mohammed has said, the food soldiers, or is it who said the food soldiers of, of the violence that might be in the 2022 election. So... Another thing is maybe that I'll say uh, that has come up and it's something that we really need to take care of, like the cybercrime uh, cyber laws that are not being implemented. I think Joyce mentioned that in the, in the documentary, the cybercrime law. So it has not been implemented or I don't know if it's been assented to a law. So it's not being, uh, it's not, it not being in place. It is making it very hard for police officers or the office of the public prosecutor to prosecute these people on, on the basis on the charges of cybercrime. Now they are just prosecuted by the fact that they have they are planted drugs, the police plant drugs on them, or they they are charged with other offenses that is not cybercrime, what they actually do. So it is something that we need to check on how we are able to. Uh, uh, enhance, I'm a lobby the government to enact the cybercrime laws so that they are able to be convicted and also prosecuted. Because right now, when they go to, to, to court, they are prosecuted by, by the mere fact that they have drugs or they are drug users. Uh, another thing that I'll say is uh, the challenges that we faced as Midrift Human Rights Network as we go forward in intervention. One is it's the community protecting them. One of the things is when you find them, like when the police are, are doing raids, community members will protect them because at the end of the day, the money they get, it goes back to the community. Like most of the people, may, maybe when you talk to them, they'll say they are paying school fees, they confirm gangs. They are paying school fees for their siblings. They are, they are also uh, making sure that they are, their parents are well taken care of. So at the end of the day, the parents and the community will protect them. So if you're not able to maybe uh, do the, uh, also provide, uh, address the root causes like unemployment and also welfare for the, for the older generation, then this is something that will go on. Another thing is maybe the cor corruption, corruption in the security sector, like one is arrested and they are actually, uh, they, they bribe them, themselves out of the court. And sometimes it's their gang leaders who, who are able to bail them out. And it's not bail like the official bail, it's just kitukidogo for the police officers, for the people, for the gang members to be released. Another challenge is 
that I have talked about, the law implementation of cybercrime law, then there is inadequate resource to address the root causes. And that is also where the government come in, like the unemployment, like the basic needs that, uh, like, like water, like we don't have a lot of things going on. The school, school, yes, they say it's free primary school, free secondary school, but, they, but yet they are not able uh, to finish school. Another thing is lack of political goodwill. You see, if the law had been, the, the law has is implemented, then we'll be able to to do it, to 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 prosecute these uh, these crimes, and the the political goodwill, and especially let's say from the members of parliament, where they they are the ones sometimes bailing these people out and also giving them, okay, encouraging them to go on. So it is something that we need to see how maybe we can bring all these sectors together, how we can uh, bring partner with the county government to and uh, to also maybe. I don't know if Nakuru County, I think Nakuru County does not have a policy or an act that protects the, the cyber crime unless we use the national government government uh, policies. So another thing is maybe how you can work with the county government because you find so much, uh, they're using threats and so far threats do not work. As Midrift, we are using Midrift Human Rights Network, we are using a soft approach on bringing them uh, closer to us. Some of them have gone through school and they are doing their first exams this, this December. Others are, are already working and we've been able to work with Youth Bilanoma, that is Mohamed Mwenye and his colleagues on how to empower these young people. We are also using psychosocial support because most of them, as Mohamed has said, have gone through advanced childhood experiences and others are going through mental disorders that needs to be taken care of before maybe a, them getting out of crime. So we are using the mental health, uh, psychosocial support and the soft approaches for us to be able to get them close and them to be able to get back to using the, doing the legal activities for them to get money and a source of livelihood. Yeah. I think going forward is partnership and partnership, more partnership on how we are able to help these young people because it's something that cannot be done by one organization or even two. It needs a whole sector and collaboration, sectoral, intersectoral collaboration for us to be able to work and rehabilitate these young men to come back, young men and women to come back and use their and be citizens of, of value to the, to the country. Yeah, I think maybe that's it. Unless there's another question from, from Jerry. I, I, we will ask the question at the end of it. So, okay. Uh, let, let me let us first go to our next uh, panelist. Uh, okay, thank you. First, that's an amazing job you're doing as midriffs. Yes, uh, our next panelist is is Willie Oweba. Willie Oweba, karibu sana. <laughs> yes, allow me to introduce you. Yes, our third panelist is. Willie Oweba is an accomplished, award-winning, spoken word poet. He's a human rights defender with the, his recent achievement being winning the upcoming human rights defender of the year 2021. He uses art, he uses, uh, yeah, he uses art to champion the rights of the underprivileged in his community. So I have a question for you, Oweba. Um, 
what, what do you think is the role of spoken word or art that what is what is its role in ensuring that the gangs that gangs that are uprising especially in the counties can be curbed the role of art and spoken word welcome whoever we can't hear you please unmute thank you thank you so much okay first to start with um in kenya moso in nakuru uh, it is a crime to be a youth is a crime because of stereotype yeah i have dreadlocks and i was nearly shot in 2017 21st of january because they thought i looked like a member of the confirmed group the confirmed gang and uh, that is why i transitioned the how i write with my spoken word poetry and how i tell stories with spoken word poetry in an objective to amplify and to change the mindset and revolutionize the mindset of the youth both uh, the gangs the criminal gangs and the police because there, there is a lot that comes with having um criminal gang like confirm in nakuru yeah and uh, and crime and urbanization are, are common in the present world more so when like right now nakuru is chartered to be a city and we have three types of crime there uh, are uh, three theories that that revolve around why we have uh, criminal gangs in urban centers like nakuru yeah and the first one is uh, social disorganization and this was done a research in 1930 that talks about the neighborhood structure so the neighborhood structure is like in in nakuru informal settlement of bondeni ronda and um, places like kivumbini we have family disruptions we have uh, poverty and uh, such instances have helped to surge um, the number of people who are in the, these criminal gangs because they try to fend for themselves like joyce said uh, in the video also we have substructural theory and ad, under substructural theory we have substructural violence and substructure of poverty yeah so we have a lot of youths a lot of young people have revolved around um, um, poverty around crime and they have role models in the informal settlements who are who are, are, are criminals who are ganged down yeah and these are people they look up to and that is why we have many youths in nakuru particularly uh joining the confirmed gang because they look up to people these are their mentors yeah these are the role models they look up to and it is very prestigious quote unquote to belong to a criminal gang for protection purposes and then the last one is the conflict theory and this is um this comes to disparity in income distribution comes to unemployment and levels of unemployment uh, income distribution we have a uh, population yeah uh, density now that nakuru is a city we expect more more people to join these criminal gangs yeah and coming to your question uh, jerry our great panelist how we can use art to to curb um, such uh, 
is through the revolution of the mindset. One, because we say the intention is not to change the world, but to spark the mind that will change the world because true leadership is in delegation. So when we indulge more youths into art, into spoken word, into writing, into, into, into music, into, in, into, into acting, now they channel that energy somewhere and they find a, legit, a legitimate way of, of making money, a legitimate way of, 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 of looking up to legitimate role models in a very good way, in a moral way, yeah? Because once we said in the informal settlements, these youths have role models who are criminals. Some are dead, some are alive. Now, when we indulge these youths into art, into spoken word, they will find new role models. They will spend their energy, their time, and they will earn from it, yeah? And, and, and also the implementation of policies as, as the gentleman who is a victim of the confirmed uh, activities in Nakuru said, when these uh, youths are uh, arrested by the police, there is no cap in the constitution, there's no clause in the constitution that binds them. So they are released probably the same day. And we have interference by the politicians because these youths are vulnerable. So indulging these youths into art and art activities will really go a long way into one, first uh, revolutionize their mindset and two, channel their energy somewhere else and three, give them proper role models, give them proper examples of other youths who are inside these gangs, youths who are inside these criminal gangs, youths who are inside these informal settlements. When they make it, then it will give them a true examples of good moral role models. For example, there's a youth who is going to Manchester from Kivumbini and Manchester United, the football club. And I'm sure this is one of the many steps that will see forth these youths to see another side of making it other than crime, other than confirm, other than snatching phones. Because right now the confirm gang is slowly, um, uh, uh, slowly being now a very dangerous, uh, theft gang now because they are stealing, they are using force, they are using machetes and 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 pangas, and it's not good because Safaricom and the telecommunication agencies and the government right now is very, they have updated their security systems, and now they are resorting to now physical crime. So if youths indulge in art, now that will be a very huge step into coming in, into curbing the criminal activities in Nakuru and in Kenya. Thank you so much. Thank you so much, Oeba. That was uh, amazing and congratulations on your, on your award. We hope that it will take you to greater heights. Now you'll allow me to introduce our, our last panelist. Our last panelist is Jeski Mani. Jeski Mani is the Global Initiative Against Transnational Organized, Organized Crime 
East and Horn of Africa Observer Observatory Coordinator and the Resilience Fund liaison person and is based in Nairobi, Kenya. An investigative journalist by profession. Jace works in areas of human trafficking and smuggling, drug trafficking and flora and fauna crime. So Joyce, Karibu Sana. I have a question for you. Uh, what, what, what do you think are the initiative that the CEO, the CSOs, like the like the Resilience Fund, can do to deal with the gang problem. Karibu. Thank you so much. Sorry, I was talking on my phone. My edit on mute. Thank you so much, Njeri Kimani, for this opportunity. Uh, good afternoon from Nairobi, Kenya. And this. This, this topic is really close to my heart because just yesterday, and I think uh, I posted it on my social media channels, I, I spent the, the day at the police station because I realized that someone was impersonating me and uh, was asking for money and was calling all my friends and playing with them through my, my a strange number. I think someone went and, and picked a SIM card, uh, decided it was me, so started sending people messages, uh, someone they were asking for help. Uh, others were being told we can be friends, and you know it became so strange because people started calling me and asking me, uh, "Why are you asking us for money? Why are you asking us for this and this and this?" And it came as a shock to me because I didn't know I needed money or I needed uh, uh, I needed people to come through for me. And so yesterday I had to go through the process. I went to the police and I reported it, and it became something interesting because now. The police are looking for the person who is impersonating me. But this was just like an introduction to how damaging the effects of these guns are. And when I look at it from the point of um, the power that these guns have, uh, being part of the documentary and you know, having exchanges with these, uh, with these guns, it made me realize that there exists a very huge gap in dealing with this gun problem. Uh, one of the things that really came up when we were doing the documentary is the is a divide between um, what we are doing and what is actually on the ground. Uh, when we got to the ground and we get to talk to these guns, we realized that uh, most of them are actually there. Some of them do not really want to be there. For me, the documentary, the one sentence that really stands out is when that young member says, uh, and when I looked at him and when I talked to him, and I realized that this is someone who has really tried everything because when we were talking to them, uh, one of them was saying he's worked in different Ministry of Foreign Affairs, he's gone to for foreign jobs in the UAE and came back. And so for him to resort to a gun, I think it was his last option. And this brings to the point of uh, this brings me to the point of what we can do uh, both as uh, civil society as uh, as civil society as uh, uh, people in Nakuru, uh, New York City, as uh, these wonderful people who are winning awards. Congratulations to them, I forgot to say that. Uh, and uh, looking at the synergies and looking at uh, the interesting points where we can come in. When I focus on CONFIRM and I focus on other guns, uh, I, I work a lot in the semi-urban settlements uh, under the Resilience Fund and one of the things we try is to look into ways where we can, you know, interrupt this gang, gang market by number one, creating opportunities for people who are either in gangs or 
are looking for way out of Ghana. So I believe that one of the approaches that civil society, we as civil society and we as members of the public can do is come up, coming up with uh, countermeasures for the guns. Beatrice mentioned something very interesting and we've seen it first. Uh, these guns, some of them are just looking for soft skills. Uh, we, we went to, when you go to the ground, these people are looking for issues like uh, they want um, uh, maybe a training, training in mechanics, uh, mechanics, uh, be a mechanic, even want uh, driving skills so that they can be able to get uh, a job in the legal way, uh, a legal job perhaps. Uh, one of the people we interviewed also, and I think he was part of the next documentary, part of the next documentary, is really a talented photographer. And they were like, if you can help us develop this skill, we are going to leave this, uh, we're going to leave this problem and venture more into using our skills and talents to earn money. And I find it interesting that uh, there are no systems that are there where this, uh, these people can be able to explore that talent. So this is where I find uh, rights and I find Midrifturinet um, and I find OEBA. There is an opportunity for us to synergize and come up with uh, maybe better ideas and better platforms where we can bring together these youth OEMA coming in with the spoken word, Beatrice teaching these uh, youth uh, issues to do with uh, human rights, and uh, maybe Resilience Fund coming in and helping them uh, start up uh, projects that are sustainable. This is one of the ways we can look into the dumb problem. And I feel like um, it, is, it is an open invitation. Uh, one of the other areas where I think uh, is really important is looking at uh, how we can partner with uh, government, uh, especially county governments, because when it comes to the evolution, we, we have to accept that some of these gangs also uh, became part of the revolution. The, our gangs in Kenya are more into geographical locations. For example, the way CONFIRM is really in operation in Nakuru, we have some which are operating in Gaza, uh, we have Gaza operating in Kayole. And then we have uh, the Songo Songos operating, I think, in Western Kenya. We have individual gangs who, like, resorted to their geographical area as a result of the devolution, in my view. And so there's need to look into county governments and to work with the county governments, the local governments, and discuss on ways how we can be able to work with, come up with tailor-made solutions that will help deal that problem, with the problem. In Nakuru, for example, uh, the county government, as is mentioned before, they need to come up with a charter to deal with the confirmed gun because the confirmed gun is mainly uh, focusing on cybercrime. And uh, one of the locals we've seen is there is no law, especially at, at a county level, where these people can be charged in the locals. So my, my approach would be maybe having conversation with the county government who uh, have been really helpful and they've been really supportive in, in dealing with the confirmed problem. Uh, in coming up with the ideas of how to deal with them. So I, I feel like we need, we as civil society need to go to different areas. We map out the places and we ask, we talk to the people on the ground and we ask for solutions from them because even when we are engaging parents, uh, people who, of people of parents of children who are in gangs, they were the ones who were telling us uh, one of the things we could do is, for example, go to schools, uh, go to primary schools, look out for these uh, clubs, uh, 4K clubs and environmental clubs and keep these youth engaged. 
And so it became really interesting. It became really interesting to see how we, we can also work uh, with people on the ground, the partners on the ground, the youth on the ground, so that they can be able to help us uh, come up with solutions. I think I would I wouldn't like to end this conversation without saying that uh, civil society is has become more of a reactive instead of a preventive uh, mechanism. So we are not looking at solutions. We are dealing with the. We are not looking. We become more of looking into the problem as I have imagined. This is the confound gun is running faster than we are, we are we are running at the rate. So and the, these are well. They have a lot of money. Have a lot of. They have a lot of uh, access. They have a lot of power because if they can control the police system, which we've seen them do, they're controlling who will be the OCS, who will be the. Uh, Joyce. They control their funding political. So, I think I'll have to cut you. Can I can I just throw in my last word? So I think I think it's also important to bring together we. We look into how we are going to work together as civil society. Thank you. I see Jay had a lot to say, but yeah, uh, time time is not on our side. We 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 have very few minutes left, and I want to open the floor for for questions. Kindly, if you're in the in the room and you have a question, you can ask, or I can read the ones that have been dropped. I I think from the chat box I see I have a question for Beatrice. Um, Beatrice, uh, how 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 can we break the cycle of recruitment? Okay, there's someone who has asked how we can break the cycle. The cycle of recruitment. I think I think uh, for recruitment of confirm it starts from an early age and especially you see they target children from uh, from primary school that is uh, the the oldest in primary school is 14 or 13 so you can imagine how how that goes so at the end of the day we need to target children and bring them together for them to be able to make better decisions for their lives you see it's all about decision making another thing is maybe implementing the laws and policies that are already there for us to prevent this from going on. Another thing is also creating employment or empowering youth with skills to be able to legitimately earn their, their, their living. Another thing, there are so many other things that we can do. And also uh, parenting, you see, parenting is also another push factor. Cause you see when poor parenting is in place, children feel obligated to take care of the children, of the, of the parents. So at the end of the day, if you're not taking care of your parents, it's like you're failing. So such things we need to be able to put in place. There's also the mental health uh, awareness, like we bring them together, encourage youth or even children who've gone through advanced childhood uh, experiences to go for therapy sessions because it helps them at the end of the day. So there are so many things that we can do together, partnership and partnership in this sense, midriff partners with Arts for Rights. Uh, at for rights partners with Youth Villanoma so that we do not duplicate what each individual organization is doing for us to reinforce the activities that we have for the, for the best interest of the community. And also maybe uh, involving the government and 
I don't know how we are going to do this, the police brutality, and how we can work with this IPOA, the independent police uh, your, or authority. That one. I think we need to bring in government institutions. We need to bring in CSOs, the, the local government, for us to work together for this. Because at the end of the day, like when, we, when the Kazim Tani comes in, the chiefs and maybe the, the local chiefs and assistant chiefs prioritizes people from their own community or maybe let's say from their own family. So we are if we are able to be in talks with them, to be able to provide employment for these uh, reformed gang members. And we make, we make a life outside there, like in the legal way, okay, the legal way to be more attractive for the youth. Because at the end of the day, when they see someone who's struggling, Earning, earning, a, earning a living out of a, a legal legal thing, it becomes really hard for them to say, I ule mungina na patado in a very simple way, na ule mungina na struggle, na, na lifestyle yaki kochini badu. So we really need to bring in together, bring people together and work for the, for the best uh, of the community, for the best interest of the community. Thank you. Thank you. Beatrice has decided to talk in Kiswahili, but it's all right. <laughs> I th that. think some of the members have not understood, but it's all right. I think in in two minutes, Mwini, uh, I would like, I'd like you to uh, to address how is the government supportive of your efforts uh, when it comes to to working with the with the gang members? Do you get any support? Yeah, to some extent, the government is supportive, but uh, to some extent, it's not supportive. Uh, uh, but speaking on the game, they've been supporting us uh, in working closely with those that want to disen disengage from the groups, from the gangs, and also in terms of maybe those uh, who want to maybe go back to school, uh, the school dropouts. Uh, they've been supporting us and uh, even through the empowerment session, I'm an empowerment workshops, I'm an empowerment opportunities. They've been supporting because uh, they write a recommendation letter to some of them so that they can be accepted to some rehabilitation centers. Some of them were accepted to go back to school. And also some of them who are reformed, they were accepted back to community. Uh, but uh, with support from the government. And again, speaking about the gains, they also, uh, uh, they've been engaging young people, like tomorrow, they are going to come to Bondemi to talk to them, to hear their grievances, what uh, maybe the, the challenges they are facing, and a way forward so that they can be good agents of passing positive narrative to the community. But on the other hand, in terms of policies implementations, our county government, they've been doing little to support the initiative. Like uh, some of the reformed uh, groups, like the Kaziklin, the one that I'm managing, they are working towards uh, restoring our ecosystem, but the county government, they refused to work with them because sometimes they don't want even to give them the tenders because already they tabled their papers. They know these people, they are vulnerable. They don't have the right skills maybe to write that A-plus uh, concept. So we need to understand them. We understand their level of literacy so that even they do not meet, if they do not meet the threshold 
for qualification. They need to look how maybe they can support them. Even they can be taken as uh, cleaners, city cleaners. Already we are a city. They can be sweeping our city. And that's a way of empowering them. And again, the government, uh, they've been doing little to support them. Because through Kazimtani, they, they only employed those who have the IDs. Because you, you can see that some of those who are engaging in crime, they don't have the IDs. Some of them, even they are Muslims. They went ahead even to join terrorist organizations. Because here in Kenya, some of them go under long process of vetting process, and some of them are Kikuyus, but they have Muslim names. So the government needs to identify their people. They need to identify these are the youth. They are the ones who are causing these troubles and to work with them. But uh, thank you also as an organization who've been pushing for the government at least to incorporate those in art, those who are engaged in crime. And uh, we've been seeing good efforts and good success. And uh, I believe in the future. Uh, thank you so much for joining in. Thank you. Thank you so much. Thank you for listening to the OC24 podcast. For more talks, have a look at the podcast feed on whichever platform you use. There are loads more to listen to. Video versions of these talks are also available on the Global Initiative Against Transnational Organised Crime YouTube channel. If you would like to share these talks around, we ask that you use the hashtag OC24 and let us know what you think. The 24-hour conference on global organised crime is brought to you by the European Consortium of Political Research Standing Group on Organised Crime, the Centre for Information and Research on Organised Crime, the International Association for the Study of Organised Crime, and the Global Initiative Against Transnational Organised Crime. For more information, head over to oc24.globalinitiative.net. This has been the OC24 podcast from the Global Initiative Against Transnational Organised Crime. Thanks for listening.